Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Amen. Amen. Isn't God awesome? down here. I'm thankful for the addition to the worship team. We're glad with Mike and Jerry and God's blessed the family and it's good to see people coming into their places where God has them set in the body and where they can flourish and grow. That's what it's all about. Well, I want to thank everyone for, uh, well, we missed two Sundays, my wife and I. We can't think back the last time we missed two Sundays in a row. We just don't because we don't go to church because we have to. We go to church because we want to be with the church family. It's not a, a thing. It's not a duty. So we really felt it being away two Sundays in a row. And you know what we were doing for both Sundays? Driving. 24 hours straight driving. So by the time Sunday morning came, or your Sunday evening came, we were, we were, yeah, Donna Marina calling it like, ah, it's nothing. Right? He struggles. Thank God my brother, who we drove with down for part, for the 24 hour stretch, was, is a truck driver. So he did most of the driving. And we did a lot of talking. We had a lot of good time with family. It was, even though it was a, not the best situation to go down for and not, you know, the best in terms of having to drive it. We got to spend a lot of time together. Um, when we were down there, we lived in uh, together, all of my brothers and sisters and their spouses in one place, and we got to just share that time together. So we laughed a lot. Uh, no major fights. Um, we were able to handle every situation and circumstance that came up. God gave us the ability to deal with it, and and so a lot was accomplished. We felt we were carried by definitely the prayers of everyone. And God was even good in that. With the two days we had to work outside with the motorhome, we had to move a motorhome that was parked for seven years. Um, not one of these ones you tow behind a truck. We're talking a motorhome with the motor that hasn't ran for seven years. RV, it's an RV. So uh, we had to figure out a creative way of moving this a mile down the road to a different trailer park and all the rest. And, but it happened. And uh, in those two days, we had to do all that outside stuff. Texas is hot. So thank God it was overcast and it was cooler, even for those two days that we had to do that. And then the days, of course, that we got to be at the pool. It was nice. It was 90. I'm U.S., right? Fahrenheit. So it was 90 degrees, it was just, it was nice. So we enjoyed it a couple of days before we drove, 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 drove back. <laughs> but we're back. But I tell you, this, um, being away from the church family, not good. Not good. You feel it because, you know, it's a part of your lifestyle. And, and that's what I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, I want to do a teaching today um, just about... Um, uh, you know, well, I want to bring a scripture out here quick. It's in uh, Hebrews 2, 
uh, verse 3. And it says here, So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? So it's saying here, look, we, we can't ignore this great salvation or we can't neglect this great salvation that we've been given. So in other words, there is a way of being able to basically, that word means in the Greek, this is what it means. It means to pay no attention to, to make light of, or to be negligent of. That's what that word means in the Greek. So um, we can make light of this great salvation. We can treat it with disrespect. We can sometimes pay no attention to it, not realizing that it literally is something that we, we have to do. It's, we all live in Barrie, or you drive through Barrie that's here. I, all of you online probably, some of you not, but there's lots of bridges going up, right? And overpasses, and, and you see a bridge is made on both sides. It's not one side coming over. It's both sides being worked on, and God's done one part, and he requires us to do a part, and it comes together. That's how salvation is even, and we're going to see this even in Hebrew or Philippians 2. This is what it says in Philippians 2, 12 uh, to 13. It says, dear friends, you, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. So work hard to what? To show the results of your salvation. So we need to show the results of our salvation. A changed life that God, of course, changes us, but it's us walking that out. And we show the, the, the results of our salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So here we see this. It's this working together. It's, yes, it's God working, but he's working in us. Amen? both to will and to do for his good pleasure. How many have had God change a desire in you? You know, he, used to, he can literally change you to the point. One area where he changed me drastically, I used to be a consumer. And I used to spend like crazy and love spending and just thrived off of spending money. And I, I am the opposite now. And, and I'm not stingy. Love giving. And I love spending when it's important or when it's, but I, I don't, I, I'm not driven to spend. And, and God changed that in me because I, there's no way, I mean, I, I, that could have changed for me. Because spending money's fun, right? But it's when you have to pay it back enough times, you realize, you know what? I don't think I want to be a consumer anymore. It's when you have to be responsible and pay it back enough times that you're like, you know what, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> and there is. But God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That is that working out of our salvation. And um, so there's, there's, I'm going to look at a few ways that um, we can neglect our salvation. And, and there are ways that the Bible shows us, and, and there are, the thing about God is 
he tells us to do something, but then he gives us a way to be able to, um, to do it. And if there's something that is against us, he gives us something that will counteract that. He doesn't just say, white-knuckle it and just, you know, grin and bear it. No, he always gives you something that will counteract that, that you can live victorious over that. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so he gives you joy in the midst of things where you, you can't have the strength or the ability to do it. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross for what? The joy that was set before him. There was, there was a, a, a strength in that joy that caused him to endure. And, and we, these are the things we need. And our salvation is something that we, we, we walk out, and we're, we're not going to see the fullness of it, of course, until we get to heaven and we see him face to face. Because the Bible says we know in part, we see in part. But when we see him, we'll know, we'll know him completely. We'll, we'll see it all. And it's like, oh, this all fits together. Won't that be awesome? There will be a worship service up there. There won't be any grumpy people. There won't be anyone with a limp or, you know, in pain and can't stand up. The whole They're going to be free. We're going to be dancing. We're going to be celebrating. Isn't it going to be awesome? Yeah. It's going to be great. But until then, we have to not neglect or ignore this great salvation. We have to, and there's things that help us to be able to not do that. So one thing that causes us to neglect our salvation is not pursuing the Lord and seeking his kingdom first. It's not having right priority. And it's, it seems simple, but we're going to look at a few scriptures, and we're just going to look at this because... Um, it's so easy for us. There's so many things that pull us every day. Every day. Every day there's things pulling here, pulling there, pulling, pulling. And we've got so many things that we can grab a hold of. And we get, you know, gratification from. It kind of just pleases us. And we seek a lot of times these things out. And we don't even realize that it's like it sucks us in. And it's like. And I remember someone telling me this once, and it, it stuck with me. It said, the world's pleasure leads to pain. But God's pain leads to pleasure. And, and sometimes there's things, and, and there is a pain to it. How many know there's a pain to, to praying every day? And not, being, not neglecting prayer. Humbling yourself and praying. How many know sometimes it's just, it's like, <laughs> you know, you know, you got to do it, but some days you just don't want to. Right? Can we be honest? Sometimes we just don't feel like it. Sometimes, it, you know, the busyness and all the rest, and it's like, I'll do it later, do it later, and, and later doesn't come. And it's like these things just come, and they just kind of, and, and it's so easy to just kind of, suck the life out of the very thing that's going to give you what you need it, but it's priority and and jesus was was talking about this here in matthew um the 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 pharisees were trying to trick him well actually we'll go to this one matthew 6 30 31 to 33 jesus was talking about all the things in life the cares and the worries chasing after money chasing after clothes 
chasing after all these things. And he says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat and what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So in other, in other words, those, those things are all going to come, but be always seeking, God, what is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to live? What is it? What is the right thing to do in this situation? And because if you keep doing what is right, you can't go wrong. Right? Just what is the right thing to do? And God, let me put you first in this. Let me see that this lovely gift that I've been given and all of these things, bring it back to the giver of the gift. Why? And be thankful that he gave it to you. And then, God, what do you want me to do with this? He says, enjoy it. Enjoy it. But enjoy it. It wasn't your ability. It wasn't your hands. Even when he, remember when God brought the children of Israel into the promised land, he said, and when I give you houses that you didn't build, and when I fill them with things you didn't, you didn't, you know, go and earn it, and, and when I do all these things, and he's talking about all these things he's going to, he says, don't forget, it was the Lord your God who brought you into this land. It was the Lord your God who gave you the power to get wealth. It was the Lord your God. That's how we got to keep that priority. It's like, you know, always, always, always. I'm thinking of Colin when he, they're, they're, they do the trucking, and he was like, how do I put you first, God? How do I, you know, in every day? And what the, he does is when they do the walk around on the truck, is they have to do the, he prays. That's his one time where he sets and, okay, God, I'm putting you first in this day. So I'm walking around this truck or checking on, he, that's when he does it. There's different ways that we can do that. Just how do I put them first? I remember one time I was doing grunt work with the church, entering the database and putting in names and because I was doing all of that stuff on top of everything else. When you church plant, you have to do everything. And there were certain Snoresville jobs. It was like, oh, kill me now. It's just like, oh, it's like, my wife's like, what? Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> honest. But what did I do? I said, God, how do I do this? He says, look at each of those names and pray for them as you're putting them in. They're people. He gave me perspective to be able to see, you know, and start putting it in, in the right perspective where I'm seeking him and his kingdom and why I'm doing what I'm doing and all the rest. Because it's just, it's a simple little adjustment sometimes with us. And it's got just its perspective. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, the Pharisees tried to trick Jesus, and they're like, what's the greatest commandment? In Matthew 22, and verse 37, Jesus breaks it down and makes it really simple. He says, you must love the Lord. If you can uh, pull that one up there in Matthew 22, 37. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, First of all, you must. Right? It's not a suggestion. Well, if you feel like it today. And it's, it's saying all your heart. Not just parts of your heart. All your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. All your mind, and all your strength, actually, is what it's supposed to say. 
And this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. So these two things, if, if, if that's the only thing we could get right every day, is loving God and loving people. Loving God, loving people. Why does it have to be so hard? <laughs> Especially the loving people part, right? You have this wonderful time with God. You're just in his presence. And all of a sudden, you encounter somebody. And it's not the best situation. It's not. And it's like all of a sudden, everything just goes out the window. And you're wondering, like, but that is part of our love of God, is loving people. And there's something that gets worked in us when we have to love hard people, situations. You know, we all think we're the easy person to love, but to somebody, you're not. So get over it, okay? <laughs> it, my, my sister-in-law was saying this on the trip, and it stuck with me. She said, every virtue has a vice. And it's like every strength has a weakness. And... And it's great when our strength is used for the good, but it's when the weakness of that strength comes out. It's not so good, right? But if we, if we put the priorities in the right place, God works those things out. He works those things out. So loving God, loving people. Amen? So... That's one way we, we cannot neglect our salvation is if we continue to do those things. Seek his kingdom first, loving him and loving people. Another way um, <clears throat> is that we can neglect our salvation is by not pursuing biblical discipleship. And in Matthew 28, Jesus gave, um, gave a command before he left his disciples. And, and so it, it says here, um, he says, I've, given, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, so he's been given all this authority, all this power. But then he says, therefore, what does he say? You go. Wait, wait, wait a minute. All power and authority has been given to you. Aren't you going to do it? No. You know what that word actually means in the Greek? It, it means as you are going. It, it means not, it's not just go. It's as you are going. In other words, as you're going about doing everything that you're doing in life, as you're going, make disciples. As you're going, whatever it is that you're doing, make disciples. Make disciples. Just make disciples. We, you know, I, I, we were talking about this the other day. We had a pastor when we first got married. We were 19, and we moved down to South Carolina we, where we knew nobody, and we worked at a street mission. And we, we were just, we were learning, but we, we had a really good pastor, and we were walking through some pretty difficult situations because at the street mission, there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of corruption. We were like, we were thinking everything this Christian is just perfect. And we were shocked when it wasn't. 
and we were having to walk these things through and figure it out. But you know what this pastor, he just took us under his wing, and he didn't tell us all these things to do. He would, he would talk to us about it, and he would open the scriptures, and he would reveal things in a way that we would begin to figure it out. And he wouldn't tell us. He would just help us to walk that through and to begin to see it and, and figure a lot of it out by looking at the scriptures, showing us and directing us. And, and a lot of times, like, we live in a society now. I just, just Google it. Just find it on YouTube. Let's get a video and just do it. How many of you know you can find 25 different videos and you're, like, trying to figure this out and you're, like, right? And it's, like, but when you have someone that has walked it through, has walked through certain seasons where they... Older can teach the younger, which was our situation. And he just walked us through a lot of those things. There's things we've learned for the rest of our life that we learned in that one year. We had a lot of hard things we had to walk through. But there are things that literally have had marked our life and were lessons we learned that have carried us through. Because we walked it out. And, and this is the part about discipleship. It's doing life together. It's walking this out. And I, and I don't think we understand it completely because we're, we're so still in our compartments, our boxes. I've got my teaching. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. But we don't, we're not walking things through with each other as much as we could. Right? There's more that we could do. I saw that this week, you know, when we were living, I was living with my, my brother and, and sister and their spouses. And when you're having to live every day and work together and work different things through, you're learning things as you go. And you know what? We got caught up. We were apart for three, almost four years. There's a lot of catch-up to do. But you know what? As we work things through and we just talk different things, all the way along as we were doing stuff, we were able to get caught up. We were able to connect. There was just, just by just doing life together. So what do we need to do? We need to move in with each other for a week. That's what we need to do. <laughs> Survivor, whatever. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> but it's, it is. It's doing life together. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I, I'm praying into this because I'm asking God, how can we do this in our culture? How can we begin to do this more? How can we be more intentional in discipling? And as we are going, making disciples, making room for one another, walking together with one another in different ways. Because it can be done, and it needs to be done, and God knows how to do it. So, I'm just asking him, how, do, how does that get done? Because he says, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all na nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In Acts 2.42, it says, all the believers, this is the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. These are the four foundational things that were a part of the, the church. That's real church life. 
eating together. How many doesn't like eating together? It's just great, right? Eating together. There's just something about being around a table, eating and sharing and enjoying that time together. It's good. Fellowship. Just enjoying getting to know one another, connecting. And, and you know, because how many know God has lots of variety with people? And it's, it's neat to see when you have all these different personalities coming together and bringing, sharing different aspects. It's like a multifaceted jewel. Just all of a sudden, you're seeing all these different aspects. And, and it's wonderful seeing diversity. Amen? Everyone doesn't have to be the same. You see this, and, and this is good, and this is what God wants. And, and in prayer, devoting themselves and coming together in prayer, it's, it's important for us to pray together because we connect our hearts when we pray. We pray together. That's where we connect. And so that's where this discipleship comes in. And then um, this is what he said in, uh, to Timothy. This was his instruction to him. Um, he said here, you have heard me teach. Uh, it's in uh, Second Timothy 2.2. 2. He says, you have heard me teach these things, or teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. And this is another important thing about the church and the church family, is there's reliable witnesses. In other words, if you're a fake, how many know families know who the fake is? Right? It's like cut through the whatever you want to call it. Just cut through it. And give me the, break it down and make it plain. Right? Give me the lowdown. Just, pff, I don't need all this. this. This is what Paul is saying here. Look at, I've walked this out, and it's been c- confirmed by many reliable witnesses. He says, now teach these truths to other trustworthy, or another translation says, other faithful people who will be able to teach or to pass them on to others. So there's this, this aspect of just doing life together, being faithful to one another, and, and being just walking this out continually. Where it, It's like it's not that hard. We're like, oh, it's, how do we do this? You just live life with God in the center, and you just do it. And as you do it, you teach others how to do it. This works, this doesn't work. You know what? I tried this, and this doesn't, doesn't work so good. Right? This is what God says you got to do. So do this. And as you walk it out, how many know when you walk something out, you have grace for someone else to be able to do it? Because you went through the bumps, you went through the bruises. You know, this is the frustrating I find, thing I find for me at my age right now is I remember myself at 19 years old and 25 years old, and when I didn't listen to the 50-year-olds. And I had to learn through the hard knocks. And now I'm the 50-year-old going, you know what? There's a better way. And, and, and I can just see the, the younger ones are like... <laughs> Not all of them. But it's because it, it, we're so driven, you know, you're, you're so driven, like, 
up to about 40, right? Everything's the chase, the chase, the chase, the chase. And then, and then you get to 40 and you're like, what did I chase? What did I do? Why did I do it? Is this all I have? And you start reflecting. And you become more reflective. And then you're like, okay, now if I do this, that's going to cost me. And this is how much it's going to cost me. Because I already know how much it's going to cost me. And I'm not even going to come out with anything at the end. It's, you become more reflective. You become more. And you, so then that's why the older can teach the younger. You've lived it out. You've walked it out. Have you done perfection? No, you haven't. But you learn things along the way. And so, again, this is that aspect of discipleship. That it, it completes our salvation. It's the way God designed it. We're not going to get it any other way. I am so thankful for those in the body of Christ that have been that for me. I cannot do it without others around me. I cannot do it without the body of Christ, without those that I've walked with and we've walked and because discipleship comes to a point where it's, it's back and forth. Paul even said, Romans, I, I, I'm excited to come to you because I've got something that I'm going to impart to you, but I'm also going to be encouraged by that which you impart to me. Like it's an exchange. It's never one-sided. I mean, you know, you're your kids. They give back to you in ways even a baby, they're like, they're, they're giving back to you, even though they, they, there's so much you got to do to care for them. So, but they give back to you in a way. It's just like baby Christians. How many have had where you've got baby Christians in your group, you know? And a little baby Christians comes in with all the, the neat questions, and it, it, they're refreshing, right? Who doesn't love a baby and a puppy? They're just cute. And so there's different aspects that we, we can draw from in the midst of it. God made it that way. That's why he doesn't want just old people to be with old people all the time. Because you just get old. And, it's like, and grumpy. And all you see is problems. You need to be... I'm not picking on the old people. I'm just saying, you can be old, but you don't have to be old. <laughs> so we've got we to gotta guard against that. We've got to allow God to work that in us where we are. It's always an exchange. We always have something to give. We always have something we're receiving. Freely you have received, freely give. And that's, discipleship is the greatest place where we learn that. Now, another way that we can neglect our salvation, and I'm finding this is sneaking in, and it's sporadic church attendance. When I think about it back in the 70s, even the 80s, we were like, we, you just didn't miss church. You didn't know what God was going to do that Sunday or what was going to happen that Sunday. And it was like, you just... It was set apart. Stores were closed. That made it easier. It became a sacred day. It was just, that's where we stop. And we, we take that day, we go to church, we, we end the week, we set the course, 
for our week. We're consecrating ourselves to God. It was, it became a part of your life. And you're like, that's just religious. No, it's not. It's a priority. It's a priority. No, it's, you just, you're stuck in your ways. No, I brush my teeth every day because it's a priority. Or my mouth will rot. Right? That's religious. There's certain things that it's, it's a priority. And, and the Bible is, is so clear on this. In Hebrews uh, 10, 23, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So there, we have to look at ways that we can encourage one another, spur one another on. Sunday's one aspect, discipleship's another, where we're making room in our week and our day, or all these different, and, and thank God we've got texts, we've got different things where you can stay connected and send that, you know, that encouraging scripture, and, you know, quick FaceTime, and just, how's it going, and, and there, it, that's a blessing, and, and those things need to be always, we're like, how can I encourage my brother? Because there's so many things in a day that are bang, 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 right? You don't need to, so your brother and sister call, did you read your Bible today? Did you pray today? Like, you know, not in that way, right? We don't need another. We just, just want you to know God is good. He loves you. I'm praying for you. I, was, I had a friend in Bible school, CJ. Sometimes he'd just come to me some days. He goes, I just want to remind you. I'm like, what? The devil hates you. He wants to kill you. <laughs> and you know what? That was the motivation. And I'm like, you know what? That jerk hates me. And even these little things that he's doing that are annoying me, the, the end result is he just wants to stop me and he wants to kill me. Like, that's how evil he is. And sometimes we, we mouse with him and we toy with him and we're like, oh, just please stop. It's like, no, he hates you. Hate him back. Hate him back. We, we are perfect love, but we're also perfect hate for the right things, for sin, for the devil. Those things we can hate. We can hate them. And we need to allow that to come into us because we guard those things that are sacred, and, and we need to make that time sacred for God because that's what makes a good church. Not trying to find a good church by being a good church. And when you set that day aside and you say, you know what, God, we're expecting you to do great things. We are coming to meet with you. We are coming for more of you. We are coming. As everyone comes for that, God has room to be able to. But when everyone's just kind of like, oh, I just don't know. And you, you just treat it flippant or you don't show it the respect that it deserves. You don't receive what you can receive from it. You, you need to respect it. 
we need to honor it. We need to keep it sacred. You know what it says in Hebrews 3, 12 to 14? It says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So there's this aspect of when we're together, we can warn one another and not warn one another in a being aware that, you know what, this, that my brother or sister is struggling. I need to help them because I, I don't want them to, you know, drift or become hardened by life or, or allow this snare of the enemy to come in. I want to come alongside. I want to see how I can be there to be able to help them to get out of this situation. But how do you do that? You do it when you're in their life. When you see them. Right? When you're connected. When you're not, you know, it's not a one-month gap and it's like, what happened? A lot happens. In, one time we had one, one, one family, uh, <laughs> they went on a cruise trip. Actually, I think it was you guys, it was Trish, and I can't remember who it was. But this was one of our, someone knocked on our door, wanted to buy our house, and literally we, we, we sold and bought a house in a week. And they went on the cruise, and they come back, and we're like, yeah, we've, we sold our house. It's all done. They're like, what? It was a nine-day cruise. <laughs> it's like, yeah, a lot can happen in a week. You don't want to miss it, right? Because when God is working and he's moving, and we're, and we're expecting that, and we're wanting to see him do those things, it's like we need to be in each other's lives. Sunday is a part of it. How do we make Sunday explosive? We'd be excited about it first. No, I got to go today, I guess. <laughs> right? It's like, no, I'm making room for it because it's a priority and because I know when I do that, God works in a way and I've made room for him to be able to work. I have carved out, and even in the, in the giving and our tithes, all of that, it sets in motion that covenant. I'm putting you first, God. I'm putting you first in my, in my money. And what happens there? I, God has room to be able to work in my finances. And he's able to do. Why? Because I put it in his hand. I put him first. I honored him with the first fruits. He says, I will open the windows of heaven. You do your part, I'll do my part. He ha you, we have to do our part. But he does his part. Amen? It's all, it's an exchange. So this is how we, we continue to work out our salvation. And when we don't do that, we're neglecting it. We're ignoring it. And, and it just works when it works. And so you just have to make it work. And then the last thing, uh, well, there's, there's uh, more, but I'm just doing four because that's all you'll remember. <laughs> I'm good if I remember three. So I'm stretching it. We're going to get four, one more. We neglect our salvation when we allow ourselves to be led by every new trend. 
and oh boy, there's so many trends. And it's all, we're evolving to this and we're evolving to that. And, and the church is embracing this hook, line, and sinker. There's doctrines and things that they're changing. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, no, you got to read your Bible. This is not what it says. And they're just going with these new trends. But this is what First Tim Timothy, Paul is instructing Timothy. He says, don't let them waste their time in endless discussion, 1 Timothy 1, 4-6. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees or, you know, uh, we could go on our COVID conspiracies. These things only lead to meaning, meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Right? I love how the scriptures just make it plain. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with the love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Just a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. That's what we need. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and they spend their time in meaningless discussions. We got to guard against that. We got to make the main thing the main thing. We got to, when it, when it starts to go on, it's like, no, you shut it down. Now we're going to, I'm not going to go down that road with you. And you maybe just lift up Jesus in this situation. And just redirect it. And it says in Colossians um, 2, 6 to 10, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. And then it says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. <laughs> oh, it sounds wonderful. You know, they even use big words. And you're like, I'm, I'm such a stupid person. How could I even contradict this su super smart person? who is saying all these things, and it sounds so wonderful, maybe, but it's high-sounding nonsense, and it comes from human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world. Rather than from Christ. So we got to guard against that. When that goes on, it's like when I spend my time with Jesus, when I'm walking with him, he's able to help me to make the main things the main things and break down the complex and make it simple. You know that God's profound in his simplicity. Anyone can make something complex, but God can make it simple. He can break something so complex to its simplest form and give you the ability to walk it. 
That's why he can take a person that is even simple, even mentally challenged. It's so simple, they can walk it out. And I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way. I'm saying God comes down to each person wherever they're at and is able to make it so that they can walk it out. That's who our God is. So when it's something is going on with all these different high-sounding things and you're like, I'll never be able to attain it, and oh, I'm just not good enough. If you're feeling that overwhelming sense that you're not good enough, that is Satan speaking through a person. And he's lying to you. Because when God speaks to us, it is always to lift us and to show us a way out. He never condemns us and puts us in a corner. He convicts us, shows us what's wrong, but shows us always a way out. And he leads us. He doesn't shove you and push you and, and drag you. He leads you. That's our God. Amen? And these are the ways that we stay out of all that weird stuff and all the trends. Keep it to the simple, basic things. Amen? Let's stand. If we can maybe do, why don't we do yes and amen? I think it would be a good, uh, good one to close with. <clears throat> but what I want us to do is just, again, just reaffirm in our hearts. I know, you know, many of you, you're doing these things, and I, and I, you know, I want us to go back and just reassure, like, these are the things that are important. These are the things that we need to do so that we keep on track with what God's doing. Because God spoke to me at the, at the repl replenish retreat, and the, the four main things he said at the last session is new thoughts, new dreams, new ways, new season. New thoughts, new dreams, new ways new season. We need to get a we need to get a slide for that. Oh, Aaron's gone. He's not listening. <laughs> and put it on social media and cuz we got to put it before us, but but I believe God is doing that. But while we he is doing those things, we need to not neglect the things that are there that are in our power to do it cuz he works in the midst of all of those things. Amen. So, God, we thank you. We thank you for such a great salvation that you have given us. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the family of God. We thank you that you created discipleship. You created the first disciples, and you displayed what that was by, by walking with those men and making ordinary men, men that turned their known world upside down in their day because of what you did in their lives as they walked with you, as they were discipled by you, as they were um, just given all the things that they needed for their salvation. We thank you. We thank you that you have given us the ability to do the same, to walk in your ways, to put you first in everything that we do, to walk together as the family of God, 
and to keep in course with what you are doing and what you are saying and not be thrown all around by all the different things that are going on out there. We thank you. You are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. You know, this is just a simple song, yes and amen, but um, we got to rest in the promises that God has given us and let those things be settled. There's so much uncertainty all around us. You know, people aren't trusting anything anymore because everything is crumbling or things that we thought, you know, this is a sure foundation, but... We can't let that creep into God and his promises and his word. We have to grab a hold of those things he said and begin to rest in them. When everyone else is all in topsy-turvy, it's like, no, God's not changed. All these other things have, but God's not changed. These are the things he said. This is the way that I'm living. These are the, this is the way that is sure. I'm not wavering. I, I know this. I've tested this. For me, 56-year-old me, I've tested it for years and years and years. It works. It's worked through so many bumps. God's ways always work. So, God, we want to work out and walk out our salvation with you. And we trust you. We trust your promises. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.